Hey friends, welcome to Friday and to the end of the week and nearly the end of the month. We are wrapping up May and I'm glad you've joined me for today's episode of Enough for Today. I hope you've had a good week and are looking forward to the weekend. Join us at Emmanuel as we celebrate and worship and uh, just continue our journey through the Gospel of John, Sunday, 9 and 1030. And right now I want to invite you to join me in Psalm 49. Psalm 49 is a kind of an Ecclesiastes, kind of a Proverbs type of writing. It's a warning about trusting in wealth. And for the God follower, it's a call to reckon with temporal realities. And, you know, I was thinking as the intro was rolling, the most brilliant thing you can do, in fact, the psalmist says in the beginning of the psalm, wisdom and understanding, the most brilliant thing you can do is build your life on things that last forever and live your life for purposes and values that last forever. So what lasts forever? Human souls, human souls. So you could give your life to wealth and money and material things, and they're just going to corrupt and, uh, and corrupt you. They just, they just decay. You buy a perfect, beautiful new car and it decays. You buy a perfect, beautiful new home and it decays. You uh, build lots of wealth and its value decays. Money is worth less over time. So you just have to keep getting more and more and more and replacing it with more and more and more. And you build this trust, this vicious cycle of dependence on temporary things that keeps letting you down. And all the while, you're ignoring eternal things. You're ignoring valuable things. First, you're ignoring the wealth, the value of your own soul and the wealth uh, that redemption and atonement would bring to your life, knowing that you're not going to die and perish in condemnation, but you're going to live forever knowing that your soul is going to go on forever and be received into an eternal kingdom with God and into a literal physical reality, a new heaven and a new earth with Jesus reigning forever and ever. Nothing can touch that in terms of value and hope. <clears throat> so the most brilliant thing you can do is build your life on eternal values and live your life for eternal purposes. And eternal things are soul things. So the souls of the people around you live forever. And to invest your life into things that matter and go on forever would be to invest your life in the redemption of souls, in the reclaiming of souls, into the communication of the gospel so that people can be rescued from the very message that we're talking about, so that they in wisdom and understanding can see and have their eyes open to the reality that death takes everybody. And once death takes everybody, there is no possibility of redemption and wealth perishes and material things are of absolutely no value in that moment. That's really how the psalmist has set this up, okay? They that trust in their wealth, boast of riches, none of them can redeem his brother, none of them can uh, ransom his own soul, for redemption is absolutely precious. It's beyond value, and it ceaseth forever. At the point of death, there is no possibility of redemption. Verse 10 says, uh, wise men die, foolish people die, strong people die, uh, die, everybody dies and leaves their wealth to others. And yet their inward idea, verse 11, is that they're going to continue forever and their wealth and material things are going to secure them forever. But no, verse 12, really they're just like the animals who really can't calculate wealth and, and build up material possessions and, and portfolios. Uh, they just live and die. And so do men, even men that live in high honor with immense power and immense riches, they die just like animals. That's where we left it off uh, yesterday. So we pick it up today in verse 12. It seems so dark, but it's not, my friend. 
it's really just brilliant because it's saying reckon with ultimate realities so that you don't waste your life. And so in the end, you don't lose it all. Everything's going to be lost, but your soul doesn't have to be. Okay, that's where this psalm leads us. Verse 13, this, their way is folly. So he's really bringing it down to the ultimate conclusion. Ultimate wisdom, ultimate understanding is uh, folly. The word is to be foolish (laughs) or stupid. Okay, so why is this so powerful? This is an evangelistic psalm. And this is also a sanctifying psalm. This is a psalm that can bring you to the point where you know you need salvation through Jesus. But it's also a psalm, if you are already saved, that can jolt you into an awakening, revived state. It can bring you back to um, a wisdom living, living on mission with God, living in priorities uh, with God, letting God be God in your life. And this verse 13, just this is a preacher just nailing it, okay, and God using his word to nail us to the wall. This, their way, is folly. It's just stupid, he's saying. Now, this isn't me talking. This is God's word, okay? I'm not saying you're stupid, um, but we all can play stupid. We can all be stupid. And he's saying this way of living, that you just chase money, chase material things, build it up to yourself, pretend you're going to live forever and never really reckon with eternal realities, never really reckon and come face to face with what drives you at your deepest core with fear and anxiety that life is short and material things cannot redeem you and ransom you. They have no eternal value. Going this way through life is stupid. So the psalmist at the beginning says, I'm going to tell you something wise I'm going to give you understanding. You don't have to be stupid, okay? If I were preparing a message on this whole psalm, which I which it makes me want to now, um, I would I would call it something like, "Don't be stupid." Uh, you don't have to live the stupid life. You don't have to live a life of 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 folly, of foolishness. This their way, this their way is their folly. Yet their posterity approve their sayings. Sila. Posterity, those that uh, come afterward, those that grow up. So one generation to the next, we just continue the narrative. We just approve the sayings. We just buy in to the generational lie. Why? Because we're looking at the wealth that's being passed forward to us. We're looking at the material or the achievement that's being handed forward to us. And it is just one stupid generation after another stupid generation. Don't you love how God in love, in gentle love, is so confrontationally honest? He just forces us to reckon with the truth. So this their way is their folly, and yet their posterity approve their sayings. Selah. Look where we go in verse 14. Like sheep, they're laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them. And the upright shall have dominion over them. Mm, The narrative turns right there, doesn't it? Hmm. Like sheep, they. Who's they? They that trust in their wealth. That's where he started the paragraph in verse 6. They that trust in their wealth. That's who we're talking about the whole way through. They, 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 they. And here's their end. Like a dead animal, they're laid in the grave. He's using the picture of sheep because this was a common scene. Okay. 
uh, all throughout the Holy Land would have been grazing herds and flocks. So a dead animal, whether sickly, uh, whether the carcass of an offering, whether um, the, 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 the bear or the wolf or the, uh, the animal that came and preyed upon the sheep, the carcass is laid aside. It's, it, death, is, it's done, okay? This is what happens to everybody, those that trust their wealth. Death feeds on them. Uh, but then there's this turn in the narrative, and the upright, the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning. Oh, my. Now there's incredible uh, turn in this hopeless narrative. Not everybody dies. Not everybody goes away. Not everybody um, is unredeemed. So he brings up this concept of the upright that are still alive after death, that have dominion over them in some mourning, okay? So this is a mourning beyond mornings. This is a mourning beyond life. This is a mourning um, metaphorical and literal, okay? Figurative, looking forward past all the mornings because we've been talking about the end of mornings, the end of days, the end is death, right? So this is a morning after death. Uh, have you ever heard these psalms, these songs, I should say, these hymns, these old hymns that talk about I'll meet you in the morning, okay? Um, this, there's a new day dawning. Um, we're going to cross the river. You know, the day will dawn, the day star shall rise. I mean, I, I'm just grabbing extemporaneously these phraseologies that talk about the day that the sun rises after death, the morning after death. So the psalmist hints that there is life after death. There is an upright existence after death. This word upright, let's look at it. To do good, to do right, to be straight, to make straight. Um, so it's, it's talking about a righteousness. Now, none of us are righteous. None of us are sinless. None of us are perfect. None of us are holy in the sense that this psalm is referring to. None of us are guiltless. But in this sense, there, there is redemption. There's ransom. There's a way for a soul to be redeemed. He's talked about that, or he's hinted at it in verses 8 and 9, 7, 8, 9. And now he's, he's talking about these people that are upright, <clears throat> and they're going to have dominion. Now, that's interesting. Dominion is authority. Uh, we don't believe in Christian dominionism that we're going to overtake the planet, okay? But the Bible does teach that one day we will rule and reign with Jesus, okay? In an eternal kingdom, those that have died in sin will still be dead in sin and condemned in sin, but those that have been redeemed or ransomed will be ruling and reigning. They will have this thing called dominion in the morning, and their beauty, their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. Their beauty, they, we refer back to those that are trusting their wealth, okay? Beauty is generally um, their refuge, their safety, their um, security. What seems to make them so durable in this life is only going to be eaten away. It's going to be consumed in the grave from their dwelling. They're going to die, and all that, all that seemed to secure them is going to be consumed away. But there's going to be... Um, there's going to be a kind of person that is upright 
and still remaining and still um, enjoying life in a new morning. So we're going to continue this thought. He's going to drive at the core of this. If you don't know Jesus, Jesus is the key to the redemption of your soul, not your wealth, not your physical, temporal, material achievements. And if you do know Jesus, here's the big takeaway. Make sure your core trust and your whole life and all of your values are driving at that which is forever. Live your life for things that matter forever. Most importantly, the souls of others and their redemption. We'll park it here. Have a great weekend. We'll pick it up Monday, moving forward into verse 15. Have a great weekend.